Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 122, and my name is Ned Jabbar. Welcome to The Informed Catholic. We're going to continue. Uh, we're going to read the scriptures for Tuesday, uh, May 4th, and we are now in the fifth week of Easter. So I'm going to continue to... Um, read these passages and we're going to look into the uh uh the documents of uh, Vatican II Lunden Gentium which is the light of the nations and we're going to look into what Vatican II documents are teaching this is basically the mystery of the church so um let's begin with the sign of the cross and we'll uh, we'll go into the reading in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen. And we'll say a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 14, verse 19 to 28. Okay. They called the church together and reported what God has done with uh, with them. A reading from the Holy, uh, from the Acts of the Apostles. Okay. In those days, some Jews from Antioch and Iconium arrived and won over the crowds. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he got up and entered the city. On the following day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. After they had proclaimed the good news to that city and made a considerable number of disciples, they returned to Lysteria and Iconium and to Antioch. They strengthened the spirits of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in the faith, saying, It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. They appointed presbyters for them in each church with prayer and fasting, commended them to the Lord, commended them to the Lord in whom they had put their faith. Then they traveled through uh, Physidia and reached Pamphylia. And after proclaiming the word at Perga, they went down to Attilia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commanded to the grace of God for the work they had now accomplished. And when they arrived, they called the church together and reported what God had done with them and how he had opened the, the door of faith to the Gentiles. Then they spent no little time with the disciples. The, uh, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Okay, and the psalm, Psalm 145. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Alleluia. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse, let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. 
making known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. May my mouth speak the praise of the Lord, and may all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Your friends make known, O Lord, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Alleluia. All right, and the Gospels from John, Alleluia, Alleluia. Christ had to suffer and to rise from the dead and to enter into his glory. Alleluia, Alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 14, verse 27 to 31. My peace I give to you. Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away and, I'm, and I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father. The Father is greater than I, and now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe I will no longer speak much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father, and that I do just as the Father has commanded me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, this first part in um, the book of Acts is very interesting. We know now we see that Paul... Uh, they stoned him and they dragged him out of the city and they thought he was dead. His disciples, the disciples, the followers uh, came around him. He got up and entered the city. He was still alive. And on the following day, he left with Barnabas to Derby. Now, <sighs> can anyone picture such a thing happening today? Uh, a Christian, a preacher getting attacked violently. I mean, there has been, there has been uh, skirmishes. There has been assaults. There has been uh, a lot of that. But can you imagine people wanting to kill you? I mean, I mean, we're now with all this uh, upheaval going on in our society, uh, with uh, especially the fact of becoming an anti-Christian state, uh, very hostile towards religion, in general, can you imagine uh, all this going on? I mean, the idea of possibility in, in a country like America, where a preacher or or Christian, any Christian disciple being attacked violently. I mean, this part here comes out to me when they they strengthened the spirit of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in the faith, saying, "It is necessary for us to undergo." Many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Hardships. They're not telling people to destroy an institution, to destroy the Roman Empire. They're converting it quietly and softly. And they're, they're actually telling people to be good citizens, but not to worship the gods to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This here, this world is not 
the end goal. It's the battlefield. The end goal is heaven. The end goal is eternal life in Jesus. And that's, that's, that's an amazing thing. When you think about it, when you put yourself in the story, it's frightening to think that such a thing might happen today. Nothing is permanent. Every political system eventually is going to fall apart. Every government eventually is going to fall apart. Christianity has witnessed the, 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 the rise and fall of empires. Jerusalem, uh, ancient Israel, which was a subject to the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is gone, <clears throat> right? The Byzantine Empire is gone. The kingdoms of Europe came and left, right? Reb emperors like Napoleon Bonaparte came and left. Adolf Hitler is gone. Joseph Stalin is gone. All of them have come and passed and the Christian faith remained. And we can be sure that if, if by the will of God, if it was to last another thousand years, so will all these political systems be gone. But the Christian faith will remain. And that's the word of God remains forever. It doesn't matter what comes and what goes. What's important is that we, the disciples, we, the followers, we are members of the Jesus Christ body will remain, will, will, will remain faithful to him. All right. In the gospel, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you I am going away and I will come back to you. If you love love me, you would rejoice and I'm going that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. He's talking here mainly in his humanity. I I um uh, sorry and and now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will no longer speak with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father and that I do just as the Father has commanded me. Jesus is, is the authority and he is going to sacrifice himself. He's going to sacrifice himself. And it's interesting, we got to remember, sacrifice, uh, as Dr. Jordan Peterson says, the, the, the purpose of authority is to sacrifice, sacrifice oneself. A true leader, a true authority figure is one who sacrifices oneself. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He also said, those of you who is the greatest must be the servant of all. He who is first must be last. And he who is last can be first because it's all about humility. Both sides have to practice humility. The top has to practice humility. The bottom has to practice humility. And where do we meet? We meet in Christ. We have to realize that it all depends on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything. And there is no compromises. No compromises at all. 
no compromises at all. This just takes us back to the to the evening of his betrayal. I, I I don't think I don't think there's any other way. There's no other way of of you know of understanding the Christian faith, but at a sacrifice and love to give yourself to hand yourself over to lay down your life for your friends to to love and to love the only way you can love you have to love as Christ loves you can't love I mean our own love is imperfect our, our own love is completely imperfect the only one who's perfect is is Christ Christ is the true model all right, so let's move on to the document. Okay, so now um, let's pick up where we left off in the document here. Uh, let me read back a little bit. The head of this body is Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. And in him all things came into being. He is before all create creatures. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might hold the premacy. This is from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. By the greatness of his power, he rules heaven and earth, and with all his surpassing perfection and activity he fills the whole body which is the riches of his glory this is you know by all the, i love this part by all the greatness of power he rules heaven and earth and with all his surpassing perfection and activity he fills the whole body with the riches of his glory. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 to 23. All the members must be formed in his likeness. Okay. All the members must be formed in his likeness. Until Christ be formed in them. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. For this reason we who have been made like to him who have died with him and risen with him and are taken up into the mysteries of his life until we reign together with him. Philippians chapter 3 verse 21, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, Colossians chapter 2 verse 12, on earth still as pilgrims in a strange land following in trial and in oppression uh, in oppression the path he trod we are associated with his sufferings as the body with its head suffering with him that with him we may be glorified romans chapter 8 verse 17 there it 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 makes it quite clear we all have to be conformed in christ there is no other way to salvation. So I think the I think the problem with a lot of these pastors is that I think a lot of them really they're in struggle. They want to create a church that's universalist, 
that will accept all the other religions as equal. And at the same time, they know they can't create a church that's 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 apart from Jesus. It's impossible for them. All right, let's continue. From him, the whole body supplied and built up by joints and ligaments attains growth that is for God. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19. He continually provides in his body, that is, in the church, for gifts of ministries through which by his power we serve each other unto salvation so that carrying out the truth in love, we may, through all things, grow unto him who is our head. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 16 in the Greek, in the original Greek, in order that we might be unceasingly renewed in him. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23, he has shared with us his spirit, who being one and the same in head and members gives life to you, uh, to uh, gives life to unifies and moves the whole body consequently he worked his work could be compared by the fathers to the function that the principles of life the soul fulfills in the human body christ loves the church as his bride having been established as the model of of a man loving his wife as his own body. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 28. The church in her turn is subject to her head. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. Because in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. He fills the church, which is his body and his fullness, with his divine gifts, so that it may increase and attain to all the fullness of God. Ephesians, okay, um, let me read it again here. He fills the church, which is, okay, let me, let me go back a little further. Christ loves the church as his bride, having been established as the model of a man loving his wife as his own body. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 28. The church in her turn is subject to her head, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. Because in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. He fills the church, which is his body and his fullness, with his divine gifts. Chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. So that it may increase and attain all the fullness of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Article 8. That was a long article seven, article eight. Now the one mediator Christ established and ever sustains here on earth is uh, his holy church, the community of faith, hope, and charity as a visible organization through which he communicates truth and grace to all men. But the society structured with hierarchical organs and the mystical body of Christ the visible society and the spiritual community, the earthly church and the, and the church endowed with heavenly riches are not to be thought of as two realities. On the contrary, they form one complex reality which comes together from a human and divine element. For this reason, the church is compared in a powerful anal analogy to the mystery of the incarnate word. All right, so 
Here, Article 8 starts off making it quite clear. The one mediator, all right, uh, Christ, established and, and ever sustains here on earth his whole church, the community of faith, hope, and charity, as a visible organization through which he communicates truth and grace to all men. But the society structured with hierarchical organs and the mystical body of Christ, the visible society and the spiritual community. Okay, it makes mentions the visible society and the spiritual community, meaning those on earth as well as in heaven, all right, um, are one. Okay, uh, the earthly church and the church endowed with heavenly riches are not to be thought of as two realities. It's not two different realities. It's, uh, on the contrary, the two form one complex reality, which comes together from a human and divine element. Just as Christ is God and man, God and human, the church is both heavenly and earthly. And the heavenly and earthly are one, are, are make one reality. Christ said to St. Peter, what you bind on earth will be loosed in heaven. What you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. In other words, heaven and earth, regardless what, it's, 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 one, it's one reality. They're not separate from each other. I mean, one can use the term reality in one aspect, but the truth is it's bound just like the soul and the body is bound, just like the blood and the bones are bound together, the nerves and tissue and ligament, as it says, it's bound together, the spirit. Whatever happens, you can't separate the two. All right, um, continue. On the contrary, they form one complex reality which comes together from a human and divine element. For this reason, the church is compared in a powerful analogy to the mystery of the incarnate word, the word made flesh, as the assumed nature inseparably united to him serves a divine word as a living organ of salvation. So in a somewhat similar way does the social structure of the church serve the spirit of Christ who um, vifies, that is, makes active in the building of the body. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. This is the sole church of Christ, which in the creed we profess to be one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, which our Savior, after his resurrection, entrusted to Peter's pastoral care, John chapter 21, verse 17, commissioning him and the other apostles to extend and rule it, Matthew 28, verse 18, and which he raised up for all ages as the pillar of and mainstay of the truth. First Timothy chapter three, verse 15, the church constituted and organized as a society in the present world subsists in the Catholic church with a with, uh, which is governed by the successor of Peter and by the bishops in communion with him. Nevertheless, many elements of sensification of truth are found outside its visible confines. Since these gifts belong to the church of Christ, they are for, they are forces impelling towards Catholic unity. Just as Christ carried out the work of redemption in poverty and oppression, so the church is called to follow the same path. 
if path if she is to communicate the fruits of salvation to men. Christ Jesus, though he was by nature God, emptied himself, taking the nature of a slave. Philippians chapter two verse six and seven. And being rich became poor. Second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine. For our sake likewise the church, although she needs she needs human resources to carry her mission, is not set up to seek earthly glory, but to proclaim, and this by her own example, humanity and self denial, Christ was sent by the Father to bring good news to the poor, to heal the contrite of heart, Luke chapter four verse thirteen, and to seek and to save what was lost, Luke chapter nineteen verse ten. Similarly, the church encompasses with her love, with her love, all those who are afflicted by human misery, and she recognizes in these who are poor and suffer the image of her poor suffering founder. She does she does all in her power to relieve the need, and in them she, uh, she strives to serve Christ, holy, innocent. Uh, I mean, I'll say holy, holy, innocent, and defiled. Hebrew chapter seven verse twenty six, knowing nothing of sin. Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty one, but came early to expiate the sins of the people. Hebrews chapter two verse seventeen. But he came only. Excuse me. He came only to expiate the sins of the people. Hebrew chapter 2, verse 17. The church, however, clasping sinners to her bosom, at once holy and always in need of purification, follows constantly the path of penance and renewal. Okay, I'm going to stop here. It does, it's, uh, that sounds orthodox to me. That sounds conservative. And yet, we see in in Pope Francis pontificate he seems to want to lessen the power and the authority of the pope create this collegiality this synodality and that's not that's not what the documents want they have to be in union with saint peter uh, and because christ gave the authority all the apostles are in union with peter and so you see, Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the bride. Christ is the life of the church, the ligament, the sinews. Everything builds up, makes the church something that is unique and different. And yet, at the same, the gospel calls for its leadership to lay down their lives, which I don't think a lot of these guys are into that. That's not a very popular thing. All right, let's end it here, and I'll get back later on with more. All right? Okay, let's say a, a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll be back again soon with another podcast. God bless.